Okay, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at the the table of the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now the Pharisee who had invited him, when he saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, got that now? He turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her, the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but she, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this that, who even forgives sins? And the, then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I would like us to look at this this morning a little bit, and I have a question for you to think about, because this really challenged me a little bit. What is faith? How is it that faith saves you? We just did Romans, and we did that example here, but this this, um, story here has really made me think a little bit about what faith is, we're gonna, we've seen this um, a few times now. We're going to see it again. It's, and one of the things that challenged me in thinking here was Jesus heals a lot of people. And he, and, and he does that, you know, as we look at it. Um, this isn't a healing, but we're going to come soon to a couple of healings and stuff when he says, your faith has saved you. We had, did we just have the paralytic? Or was the paralytic coming? Um, but he, anyway, there it was. He sees that might be coming. I'm getting them confused because I've been going a lot of Luke stuff and I have it all jumbled in my head now. <clears throat> you can look forward to that as you get older too. Things get jumbled in there. And you can pull the thread and it comes out all attached the way it's supposed to and everything. But when it's in there, it's all jumbled up. It's hard to tell where it's at. <clears throat> um, but But as we see that, 
here and I'm challenged about it. This one, I mean, the woman didn't come ask for forgiveness or anything. She just comes and does her thing. And he says she has faith. It's her faith, by her faith that she's done this and by her faith, her sins are forgiven. Um, and so we see that. But let's turn over real quick and, and maybe you'll know these so you won't have to turn there. First Peter chapter one. We were near there this morning. <clears throat> um, we're gonna jump in in the middle instead of reading the, the big longer thing. Verse seven, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I was thinking about that and how that might tie into the, the story here. But let's just look to the Lord in prayer as we get into this story. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to the things here, that we would see it the way you see it, that we would understand it the way you understand it. And as we go through here, we would be blessed and it would change our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, the story. A Pharisee invited Jesus to a meal. Why? That'd be the first question, right? Why did he ask him to come? It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us who the Simon is. And I might take a moment here and say, this isn't the same story as the other story where the disciples interfere at the end and say, how come we didn't sell this ointment and give the money to the poor? This isn't the same story, okay? If that makes a difference to you. Um, so, so we see that, see that here, uh, and it's, we don't know who the woman is, and we don't know who the Pharisee, well, we know who the Pharisee is, it's Simon. If this was true, if this was the same story, this would be Simon the leper, not Simon the Pharisee. So, um, that makes a little difference there too. And the stories have a number of things where they differ quite a bit. And so, it's not the same story, okay? Not the same incident. <clears throat> so he goes to the Pharisee's house and he went, sat down to eat. And when it says sat down, I always laugh at this because he, he sat down to eat and the woman is behind him at his feet. Uh, I don't know how your mind works, but mine says, okay, I'm sitting down and she's, it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work for her to be behind him at his feet if he's sitting down. But then you look it up, you know, in the Greek and whatever, and, it's, and it is kind of sat down, but it just really means reclined at the table. So he's laying, because that's how they did it. He's laying down at the table with his head toward the table and his feet off the end or at the end of the bench there. So now it's quite easy for her to stand behind him um, and, uh, yeah, stand behind him and do this. <clears throat> and so we see that here. Anybody who thinks they are something would want 
be associated with them ever more than ever. Regardless of atheist or Christian or not, Jesus is just too important to ignore and not invite him to your house if being someone means something. Could be. Sorry, Don. There's so few of us, we lost track of time, we didn't pay attention, and we, so we started. <laughs> so here we are. We're just starting into Luke 7, verse 36 and through 50. I read it and stuff, but we're just really getting started here on it. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I, there's lots of things I could speculate. I mean, maybe he wants to see if he can catch him up um, here and, and so forth. And we see here, too, his reaction to the woman being there is not exactly God. I mean, more judgmental than, than oh, anyway. So we see that. Um, so he came down and he, he came in and he sat down to eat. And the woman's there. She's going to do her thing now. And I was, if the boys were going to be here, I was thinking about, now can you imagine, as I'm looking at this, and it, she cries enough, she has enough tears to wash his feet. Oh, that's a lot of tears. I mean, if he's a size 9 or 10 or whatever, you know, that's to get enough tears to wash one foot, really wash a foot, is a lot of tears, right? But she's, she's really crying, and she's really shedding that you know anyway shouldn't just put a little onion there drip a couple and and do it or anything okay so she's um washing his feet with her tears and then she's wiping them with her hair now some of us would be in a sad state to try to dry jesus's feet with our hair bill and i we could do it together and probably not succeed <laughs> you know um Andy would stand a little better chance because he's got a little more hair. And Don, I was thinking with the boys, it would be more like brushing his feet with their hair because it's nice and short and, you know, a little bit bristly, that type of thing, you know. Edie and Lillian would stand a, a little better chance. But like I said, if he's a size 10 and she's really washed his feet, her hair is going to be a mess, right? I mean, it's not like she just wiped it off a little bit. She's drying his feet with her hair. I don't know if I'd, you know, I mean, that just kind of made me like, whoa, that's, that's pretty serious commitment to what you're doing. You know, it's not just drip a few tears and wipe it off or, you know, how mom or whatever, she'll kiss, lick her finger or something and wipe off the dirt or, or you know, real, anyway, real sanitary things like that that moms do. That always works because there's special things in, in mom's salivas that, that kills germs and makes you feel better. Um, <clears throat> you know, that kind of thing. So we have that. So here she's doing all this, though, and then she's kissing his feet. Now, she must have really high expectations for how clean they are after she's done this, right? Because she's kissing his feet. And I don't know, I mean, of all the, yeah, I'm not going to kiss any of your feet. Okay, even if you wash it, probably not going to kiss your feet. All right, um, but she's kissing his feet, and, and this is before she anoints them with the fragrant oil. Like, wow, this is pretty amazing. Like, 
I'm sure this has the attention of everyone in the room. Like they are really, you know, and the Pharisees here, he's not saying, wow, what is it with this woman that she is so committed that she's showing such attention and love to the Lord? You know, well, he's not calling him the Lord, to Jesus, you know. Why, why is all this? Why is she, you know, he's, that's not his question at all. If this were a prophet, he would know what kind of lady this is, and he wouldn't let him touch her. Or, oops, said that backwards. He wouldn't let her touch him. There we go, you know. But that's not, not the case at all here. And we, we see that. She knew that Jesus was there. She brought this stuff. This was premeditated. It wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing. She brought this stuff. She stood at his feet, and she did all these things. Lots of tears. Dirty hair, you know. And, and the other thing that stood out to me with that is, like, a woman's hair is her glory. And, and from the man's side of things, girls' hairs can really catch your attention. I mean... You know, however they do it. And, you know, there's different... Anyway, but you know what I mean. Like, a long blonde hair or long dark... Whatever. Long red hair. Long any hair kind of grabs your attention. Um, the, the, the funny thing is, is when you see this beautiful, long... Usually brown in this case. But hair, curly hair and everything down past the shoulders. And it turns around and she has a mustache and beard. Um, <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> still nice hair, but um, <laughs> but we see those things, and she and she does all that, and so the Pharisee, missing the whole point of the thing, obviously at this point, <clears throat> says to himself, "I love this." <laughs> you, you, you see the irony here, right? He says to himself, "If." This were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is, you know. And Jesus responds with, Simon, I have something to say to you. It's not like, oh, <laughs> maybe he is a prophet because he knows what I just thought. <laughs> we're not there. It's just if he were a prophet, he would know and this wouldn't happen. Um, so he says to him, <clears throat> something I have, yeah, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon's going to jump in with both feet here and say, teacher, say it, go ahead, you know, let me have it, or whatever. Um, So he tells us a story. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owned 500 denarii, the other 50, and when they had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. I was thinking um, with this story, and it kind of, I'm sure we we go through this, but I took time a little more to break it down. So we have a creditor who has two debtors. One owes 500 denarii, another 50 a denarii is a day's wage, pretty much, okay? So you can kind of do the equivalent. It would vary a little bit with us, you know, as to how much that is, um, but it's the same here. But <clears throat> So one owes, if it's a day's wage, one owes a year and a half's income, 
to the creditor, and the other one only owes about eight weeks worth of pay. Okay? Big thing here is that I tend to read by. I'm sure that Simon didn't get it because <clears throat> he doesn't respond the way you would if you got it. The thing is, neither one of them can afford to pay it. It's kind of the same debt, if you will, for both of them. They can neither one pay it. I can't pay it. And the debtor forgives them both. Well, the thing with the love is going to come on their end, and we can see that. So neither one can pay. Who's going to love me more? And it made me stop and think, okay, as I, you know, he doesn't, it's not talicized or everything, and I don't even know that the Lord put any extra emphasis on it, but neither one of them can afford to pay. And I think you follow if I say, so they owe, they both owe, have the same debt. <laughs> Something they can't pay. They can't pay it back. It might be a year and a half to eight weeks, but they both can't pay it back. <clears throat> So who loves him more? And he says, you know, and I think rightly so, and, and this takes me back to one of my favorite little things, but <clears throat> the one whom he forgave more. And I would say a little bit that it's, yeah, it's the one whom he forgave more, but it's the one who realizes how much he forgave would be the better answer. And, and Jesus doesn't say that to him. He doesn't point that out to him. He doesn't, you know, he even says, you've rightly judged. It's the one whom he forgave more. And I would say that part of that is because the one who owed the year, you know, a year and a half wage, couldn't pay it back, or the one who's really sinned, when we look at it that way, they know how wretched and terrible and hopeless they were. You know, they, they get that. And it's like, wow, I don't have to worry about, you know, I, you watch those um, ads. Like I, I watch old people's channels on TV, you know, Grit. I like to watch Grit, you know, and they always have these debt reduction, um, you know, the if you have, if you owe the IRS, we can help you with your debt. And I sit there and I say, how could you ever owe the IRS $126,000. Like, what did you do? You know? Oh, $126,000. And granted, I, if I went back and looked at how much in taxes I actually pay, you know, because I had it taken out and stuff, maybe that's not all that much or whatever. I mean, there's ones that have more than that, but that's the one that sticks in my head. You know, and then you'll have the ones that are less. They only owed $78,000 or whatever. But they all seem equally thankful that they got their IRS debt reduced and now they don't owe anything anymore. And it's such a feel of, of freedom and everything. And, and as I look at that and I'm saying, wow. <clears throat> and it's neat that they put the person who owes this astronomical amount that I can't imagine owing that much and then a person who, like, okay, they didn't pay taxes for two years, you know, whatever. Um, not sure how you do that, but so, so we see that here. 
but it made me makes me stop and think of how I'm looking at my debt. I told you this story before. I'm, you know, I grew up going to camp. I only not like I lived at camp growing up. I went for a week or two, um, <clears throat> and I remember. I, I've told you this before, but you know they always. I don't know why camps do this exactly. I mean, I know why, but I'm not sure it's a really good idea to do it that way. But they have their Friday night campfire before the, you know, at the end of the week and encourage the campers to get up and give a word of testimony. Not that a lot of them even know what that is exactly at that point, but, you know, a couple of them have been encouraged to give there because they got saved this week, you know. And I used to think, wow, you know, these, some of these kids were really bad. Like, I'm not going to get up and give my testimony because I never did anything really bad. You know, I mean, grew up in a Christian home, and, you know, I never did anything really bad. Not that I never sinned, you know, I, I did bad things, but it wouldn't hold a candle to these kids, you know. I never got arrested. I got spanked when I was in first, well, no, I wasn't spanked. I should take that back. I got punished in first grade because I got up without permission to sharpen my pencil because the lead kept breaking and I had already sharpened my pencil three times. And I had to get up again and she'd already told me, if you get up again, I'm going to tie you in your chair. <sighs> what are you going to do? Your pencil broke. It's legit. It's no lead. See? I mean, I didn't raise my hand and I should have because she, she was the sweetest little old lady, and she would have said, well, okay, since it's, you know, she had let me. But I got up and sharpened it, and she came with a piece of rope and tied me in my chair. And it was really funny, because I could stand up. I was tied in the chair, but I could stand up in front of my chair tied in. <laughs> I couldn't really walk anywhere, but I could, anyway. But I was devastated. Oh, I didn't cry in class. And then one of, you know, my best friend, I think, told my mom or whatever, so I was in trouble when I got home, too, you know. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I did stuff like that, you know, and that would have made all the kids in camp laugh, you know. But nothing compared to some of the stuff that I'm at this point kind of think they made up, some of them, you know. Because um, they would, if some of it was true, they never would have told you that, you know, kind of thing. But <clears throat> so here we have that. Who loves him more? And so he points out to Simon, and this is where we're going to go back and say, so why did Simon invite Jesus? You know, because he runs the comparison here. Simon, you didn't give me any water for my feet when I came in. And that's just typical courteous thing that you do when someone comes to your house that you've invited you give them water to wash the dust off their feet and you didn't give me any water but this woman she's washed my feet with her tears and like we said that's a lot of tears you know tears enough to fill a basin like I mean that's how much you would need you know even if she was on a water saver thing like our little we have a little dishwasher and last night, again, the, the sink train got stopped up. Um, and so it had all the water from washing the dishes in the one side of the sink. And it still wasn't full. You know, it's kind of impressive that it can wash them that good with that little water. Because anyway, but, 
you know, that's still a bunch of water. I mean, it would take you a long time to cry enough tears to fill one of those little tub things on the side of the sink, right? But you didn't give me any water. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, you know, that thing that they do where kiss you on the cheek. You didn't give me a kiss. This woman's kissed my feet. You know, I don't know how Simon's feeling yet at this point, but I'm seeing, seeing Simon get a little shorter, a little more hunched over. I'll draw, he's tipping back further away from the Lord Jesus a little bit, trying to get as much space and seem as insignificant as he can. Um, and this, you didn't anoint my head with oil, Simon. Like, that's the thing you would do to an honored guest when they came in. You would, you know, anoint their head with oil. And you didn't do that. But this woman's anointed my feet with this fragrant oil. She's shown honor. So this woman, though her sins are many, they're forgiven. Oh, (laughs) these kind of things. Like, okay, how did we make this jump, you know? My wife used to point this out to me, and, and she was right, and that's something I worked on, and people before that even too. I tend to make jumps sometime when I'm speaking because it makes perfect sense in the logical order of what I'm thinking and saying, but I forget to tell you how I got from this step to this step, and so I just jump, you know? And you feel a lot of times like, what did he just jump over? Because I don't know how we got to the other side here, you know? <clears throat> so he's, I'm sure that Simon's saying, Oh, wait a minute. How did we get to sins? She just cried on your feet and wiped them and everything, and she was nicer to you than me. But how did we get to sins? And why are we at sins? I'm a Pharisee. Like, I'm a Pharisee. Pharisees are above that, right? I mean, they're not sinful people. So your sins are forgiven. Anyway. So we're clear down at verse 48, 47, 48. 47, he says, but to whom little is forgiven. So her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. So somehow the faith and the love and everything are all tied together. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So now let's go back to that thing again. One owed a year and a half's wages, and the other owed eight weeks. Who loves him more? Well, the one who really felt like they had no, no hope, there was no way they were going to pay this back. You know, Neither one of them could pay it back. He made that clear at the beginning. Neither one of them could pay it back. So technically, sort of, the eight weeks and the 18 months, oh, it works out pretty good, eight weeks and 18 months, they're... Technically the same. Neither one can, they have a debt they can't pay back. But, and we probably do the same thing, right? We, we have these things that we, yeah. Well, I didn't, ever, you know, and I remember feeling that, as, I, I didn't do anything really bad. Now, I felt really saved. I got, I would say I, I got saved because it was the right thing to do, because that seems to be my vote motivation in life. It's the right thing to do, I'm going to do it, um, <clears throat> type thing. But I was, I don't know, five or six, and my grandparents had the visiting speaker staying at their house, and so my, my 
my family went over, you know, because it was a visiting speaker. And, um, like, well, my, my mom and dad and came and everything, and then my aunt and her husband and their family came and, if, and everything. So there's a bunch of us there. And the speaker got me and my cousin to come over. And he says, no, come here a minute. Come here, I want to talk to you. And he got us to, to kneel down in front of him. And he laid on the fire and brimstone. And, you know, do you want to go? To, I mean, you, if you're not saved, you're going to go to hell. And, and your parents, and they're, they're going to go to heaven. And you're going to be, you know, and like he just laid it out there. And little did I know at that point that my mom was in the kitchen and she was steaming. Like she was ready to come in and slap him. Like, what's, you know, like, these are little kids. What are you doing? You know, I got saved that day. You know, I went to my grandma's room and knelt down and asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins and, and everything. I'm sure, I, I would like to say I'm sure it took, but I remember, you know, as a little kid when you're that young and everything, you, you've sinned enough times after that that you're saying, hmm, I wonder if I really got saved. I'm going to do it again, just in case. They're going to make sure that I, I'm really saved, you know. I can't speak for my cousin except that he went to my grandfather's room. It's interesting to me. Still never understood the, all the ins and outs. My grandmother had a room and my grandfather had a room. I don't know if they ever, I mean, they had kids. So they must at some point have been together, but I never remember anything where they didn't have separate bedrooms. Um, <clears throat> anyhow. Neither here nor there. Just one of those little things as you think back on the story. But I, I got saved then. And I remember, you know, I could have told kids that. And maybe that would have touched a few kids that grew up in Christian families and stuff that hadn't really felt like they did anything wrong. To, you know, because if this guy wouldn't have laid it on that way, I'm not sure that I would have felt so guilty. You know, like, because he made it plain that how, when we were talking about this this morning a little bit, how sin really is, you know, how sinful sin is, how, does that make sense? You were the one saying it. Anyway, <laughs> but we don't realize how despicable, how terrible it is. You know, if you sin once, I guess is the thing. If you had one sin, it's worthy of death. And we don't. Part of it's our judicial system. We don't think about that, right? I mean, we don't think about one sin is, you know, you did something, you deserve this. And we would be up in arms if somebody stole something and we gave them, gave them 20 years. It was their first offense. And they stole from a corner store or stole something somewhere. And that's the only thing they'd ever done. And we give them 20 years because that's what the law says you know, burglary or theft or whatever is 20 years. And so we do that. And, you know, can you imagine how many human rights and, and stuff people would be there at the thing trying to have, that's just not fair, that's not right. They only did it once and they, you know, and they felt bad about it and everything, you know. The guy who's, this is his 48th offense. Now, you can give him 20 years. In fact, maybe we should... You know, put him in there and throw the key away, you know, type thing. But when Jesus or God's looking at sin, the one sin is worthy of death. How many, I mean, you can only die so many times, right? Like, 
cats can maybe get away with more, you know, but, but people, well, they only die once, and after that, the judgment, you know, so here he is, <laughs> and I look at this story, and I'm thinking, man, this is just so, I, I wonder, did Simon ever get it? You know, I mean, we look back at it, and we say, I can understand it. Yeah, I follow that. You know, he has, he has a debt he can't pay. Jesus is telling me, you have a debt you can't pay. It's not 18 months worth of wages. It's only eight weeks worth, but you can't pay it. And you don't know it. You don't get it, you know. I'm forgiving you sort of the same thing, same amount. So if we can get that, that perspective, right, in our lives, how much love will we show the Lord? So he says to her after that, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't even tell her to go and sin no more. You know, some of those we see that where Jesus, your sins are forgiven, go and sin no more. You know, he doesn't, I would say that he doesn't need to tell her. She already knows. She understands, you know. So those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? He doesn't answer them this time. I mean, we know from the story that he already knows what they're thinking. He knew what Simon was thinking, you know, but he doesn't address them at all. He just kind of reinforces with the woman. So he says to the woman, your sins have saved you. Go in peace. Or not your sins, I'm sorry. (laughs) Erase that. Okay, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So I was, I was thinking a little bit about faith. What it, what it is, how it plays out. You know, <clears throat> we go back to the, the classic faith. Abraham was willing to offer his son Isaac and he had faith. And, and we see that. Here, you know, I don't, Know that the woman came with the idea that if I just do this, he'll forgive all my sin. You know, I don't think that was the motivation. You know, I think she realized who he was and she wanted to show her love and honor him and did this. And he forgave her sin. So what do I do? What things do I do? or whatever, that show how much I appreciate that he's forgiven me. How do I love him? How do I show my faith? It made me think about that. Like we read there in, at the beginning in, what was it, First Peter? You know, that the genuineness of your faith may be found to this value. You know, how do I show that? How do I do that? Well, we have time. I'm not sure how long. Oh, yeah, I do know how long I've been. I've only been doing 35. So I have another 10 minutes, technically, and more than that if we go till a quarter after. <laughs> so let's look at chapter 8, verse 1. <clears throat> 
because there's this little section here that kind of fits in exactly where it is or nowhere, okay? Let's look at chapter 8, verse 1. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Jezza, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. This is one of those passages or parts of a passage, though, where, you know, you go to the commentary because it's like, okay, what do I say? I mean, what? And we're going to make some connections, but, you know, you go to the thing because you're at a little bit of a loss, and evidently, so was everybody else, because <laughs> there's not much there. You know, they just repeat that. You know, well, there are these women who, you know, honored the Lord by taking care of them out of their substance. Um, okay, I knew that. I mean, I read that, but um, so we have some people who might recognize the names, right? Mary Magdalene, okay? <clears throat> I don't see, I don't, and scripture doesn't support anywhere, despite the, the things that have come out. Mary Magdalene was a harlot and had an affair or whatever with Jesus. You know, there's nothing even close to that. I mean, this would, anyway, but we do know that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. You know, I'm not sure where that falls. If we tie this back to the story, because Luke ties it back to the story, right? Now, after that, it came to pass that this was happening. Okay. And we'll make some more um, ties in here. But afterwards, he went through every city and every village. And I don't know that any of the other Gospels, well, there's no cross-reference to Matthew, Mark, John, or any of those where it says the same thing, where he went through every city and every village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. But that's what he's doing. I mean, he's going everywhere. You know? He's on, on this, I don't know what year, I'm not sure if this is still the first year or whatever, but he's on the, the, the kingdom tour, we'd call it now or whatever, you know? And we'd have these posters up and everything coming soon to your village or town, you know? And, and he'll be there. Um, <clears throat> and it's all about the kingdom. And sometimes we would get to the same thing, but he's already started, you know, he gave us the, the principles of the kingdom and how we're supposed to act and what he expects in his kingdom for our behavior, so forth, you know. Give, give more than is asked of you. Turn the other cheek, all of those things that we looked at before. And the 12 are with him, and we know a little bit that... <clears throat> I think we read it this morning, that Jesus baptized more disciples than John at this point, or somewhere in this point. Um, but it was his disciples that were actually doing the baptizing. So they, they're playing a role. They're just not following along here and, you know, whatnot. They're, they're doing things with them, but they're with them. But also, you should know, this is what, how I see them. You should know there were certain women who'd been 
healed of evil spirits and infirmities, out of whom, you know, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Chizza, um, Susanna, many others who were providing for Jesus. And I, I don't know, I never think of that much, right? Do you think of that? How many, you know, and there must have been quite a, at least at this point, there was a little congregation going all over. It wasn't like it was Jesus and 12 guys, you know? I mean, it might look that way a little bit because I can imagine, you know, that, that Mary Magdalene and the, the women here, they have the chow wagon that they're bringing along or they have it packed on the donkey, you know, and the buddy burners and all that stuff so that they can fix a meal when they get to wherever they're going, you know, and, and they've got the water bottles on ice. Yeah, right. But they <laughs> to give to Jesus when he gets, sits down to drink, you know, to rest and everything. They've got all this stuff. They're, they're doing it, you know. Because they love them. You know, they're not complaining about it. They must have, I mean, <clears throat> they must have some kind of, of living or something that they're living off of too. I mean, it's not cheap, right? To, to do all those things, to provide for all these people. You know, let's be conservative and say there's maybe 30 of them. Maybe not quite that, you know, but that you're taking care of as they're traveling around city to city, village to village, you know, and you're providing for them. They don't have to think about it. <clears throat> so some of them, obviously, um, they were forgiven much or that what they had received was much. Mary Magdalene, to lose seven, I mean, to have seven demons cast out, like whew, that would be, Impressive, right? I mean, the, the guy that had legion, you know? Can you imagine how he felt? After? Like he wanted to follow Jesus around for forever, right? And he said, no, you stay here and tell people, um, <clears throat> you know? But it says evil spirits and infirmities. So I'm not sure what was with Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod Stewart, but he's, Herod, she's, the wife of Herod Stewart. You know, this isn't like she's, you know, the wife of the farmer down here on the third corner from center of town or something or anything like that. And there's many others who provided for him from their substance. You know, so as we look at this and we think about how it goes and, and how it happens, how do we show our love? I mean, how do we... I'm thinking, I should be doing more. You know, as I realize how much I've been forgiven, it should require more. I mean, I sh shouldn't be, oh, you know, I, I, I mean, I can say the, the amount that I've given every time I get a raise, I, I give more, you know. I mean, it goes that way. But I've been challenged a little more to think about, okay, so is there anything else I should be doing? I used to do way more things as I look at it. Now I'm getting old, you know? I don't have the energy. I felt terrible this weekend for most of it. I don't know if it was the weather or what, you know? But I was perfectly content to sit in a chair. I did play with my walking sticks and lay some stuff out and did a little standing and things like that, but didn't really do a lot, you know? I have to wait for enough energy to do a lot, you know? But I think about what I did and what I'm doing and it's like, okay, not sure.
how that fits in. Because he's forgiven me a lot. I mean, I don't want to get to the point like the Pharisee and say, well, <laughs> I didn't do that much bad anyway. You know, so I'm more than paid up. You know, he's gotten his, his return and more out of me. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, and then it wouldn't be so bad if I just stopped sinning because then I wouldn't feel guilty about, any, you know, like maybe he has finally paid, you know. We sang it there. He, I owed a debt I couldn't pay. He pay, had He had me who couldn't pay my debt, and he forgave me. He he took away my sin. Looking at that story, and my love should be just as great as the one who was a horrible, terrible sinner for all of their life, and then were saved. And then I guess I'm a little convicted or something too, you know, when I have Jesus over, do you ever have Jesus over? I'm, I was just thinking about it that way. I don't know if I ever have Jesus over. He stands at the door and knocks. It's not. It's the church, but it's also we can apply it, you know. And if I let him in, we're going to have a a personal party, you know. But have I provided water for his feet and a kiss of greeting? And do I honor him? Or do I just treat him like one of the guys? Oh, here we all are. Let's have pizza and spend a little time talking about the game. You know, what about those San Antonio Spurs, right? They get this kid. I feel bad for the kid. Seven foot four, you know, obviously knows how to play basketball. But as you come into that, can you imagine the pressure to perform, I mean, they, he's the first pick of the draft. He's gonna be the next better than Tim Duncan guy, you know. Anyway, <clears throat> but but we see those things and we get so sidetracked like that, you know. I'm having Jesus over today. We're gonna sit down. You know, and I, and I say that and all these things come floating through my mind. You know, like we read the, the two on the road to Emmaus, right? And Jesus sits down and he opens the word to him and shows him all the things concerning himself. And, and he disappears. Like, when was the last time? Yeah, Jesus over and you sat down with him and he showed you all these things concerning himself. Just makes me feel like, oh, well, maybe I'm not doing so well. You know? I forget how much he's forgiven me because I'm, I'm a little bit, I put myself in the category that I only owed eight weeks pay. Not that I could pay it back, but I only owed eight weeks pay because I got saved so little. You know? Anyway, so that's where we are. Hope to think about it when <clears throat> we go from there. It's an interesting story, but now the story it really continues. So as we go through the parable of the sower and stuff, thinking about this as the introduction to it kind of puts a little bit of different flavor on it too. But we see those things and we're going to look at these parables a few now after this and see these things. And um, it'll be interesting. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us and your willingness to forgive. Father, I pray that you would help us to see the hopelessness of our debt and how much we needed you, no matter how much it was you forgave us, because one sin's equal to a whole bunch. They both deserve death. And so we thank you for paying that debt for us. I pray that you would help us and show us how to love you more. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.